Fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. What's up? Happy Tuesday for the post-Monday celebration. Greatest day of the entire week, man. We got so much to talk about, so much to cram in here, and so little time to do it as usual. So let's have some fun today. What do you say? Trying to cram that 10 pounds reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time all over the place. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. It's so great to have you, your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Bottom of this hour, it's been a while since we've had this guest on the program, Jared Knott. He is author of the book, Tiny Blunders, Big Mistakes or Big Disasters. As we uh, talk about is uh, events going on in the world and events that have happened historically, are they a pure coincidence or are they of divine intervention? And have they changed the course of history? One tiny little blunder, one tiny little mistake. Has that changed the course of history as we know it? And have we seen events like that throughout time? We'll talk about that and relate them to what's going on across the world right now in the Middle East and with Ukraine and Russia and Israel and Hamas and so much more. So we'll have that fun conversation with Jared coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, before we get into the program, though, I have to tell you, I, I'm starting to feel more and more old every single day. I know. <laughs> I'm only 35, but I feel very old every day. So there, <laughs> here's why. And I am so out of touch with technology and with some of the new new stuff. I grew up in the 90s, which so many people would be like, oh my gosh, Andy, that's really not that long ago. I start to feel old when I hear my music on quote-unquote classic stations and I start hearing Thumpawamba or I, or whatever, uh, the blue song or whatever those are uh, from the 90s that are now playing on the radio in the oldies quote-unquote station. So I'm already starting to feel the pinch just a little bit. I know that Little Voice Reasons is going to think that mom and dad are really old because we were born in the 1900s, 1980s is when we were born. And people are going to be like, oh my gosh. For her, he was born in like 2014, 2015. Uh, 2014, I believe. Yeah, don't hold me to that one, right? Uh, but nonetheless, I, I it hit me yesterday. I came home and we were having dinner. I was sitting down with Little Voice of Reason. We were talking and she, she's been playing this game on her iPad. Now, for those uh, to be concerned, she does not have a cell phone. I've told her that she will not get a cell phone for a, lo- for a long time until probably high school. And she has an iPad, but she only uses it on certain occasions when we allow her to do so for a certain amount of time. And there are only certain games on there that she can play. So that way she's not on there doing weird things. But she's pl- she's been playing this game. Mrs. Voice of Reason downloaded this game on there. And she's been playing it for, I don't know, about a week. And I finally was watching her and it was kind of fun. I was like, wow, this is kind of neat. Which I'm very foreign to having actual games on my phone because I am an old school video game kind of guy. If I'm going to play video games, I'm going to turn on the video game system that's hooked up to my TV and sit in my chair and actually play it. I got to give, I mean, uh, not to be critical or anything, but, you know, I have to give my review on Nintendo. And, dude, you're going this Nintendo Switch, which is like a handheld thing that you can turn plug into your TV. But, no, I want a video game system, right? Nonetheless, she's playing this game, and it's called Subway Surfer. 
And it's this game where you run through the subway or run through like these train tracks and you have to jump over the trains and you have to get the coins and you don't want to miss any, don't want to hit anything and you have to slide under stuff. And it, it just constantly goes until you hit something and then you rack up points. And it's kind of fun. So I started playing it. Well, I, I downloaded it on my phone last night and I was playing it. So I come into the studio today and I talk to one of my coworkers who is a little bit younger. Again, he's the 21-year-old that's never experienced 9-11. Yeah, that guy. 22-year-old now, I think. And I told him about this game, and he looked at me and said, Andy, Andy, this game's been around for 10 years, and I played it when I was in school. Yeah. Shows how out of touch I am, and it really made me feel like the old guy that had no clue about current things. Because he's like, Andy, this game is it was one of the very first uh, smartphone games that you could download and actually play. I had no idea. I've never heard of it until this weekend when I actually was watching my nine-year-old play it on her tablet. So apparently it's a re- relatively popular game, and I can see why. It's fun to play, but did not know it was a 10-year-old game. I thought it was something relatively new that all the rave of the kids, the young kids, are playing these days. But no, 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 no. Even I don't remember it, and it's been 10 years old. So, wow. Thank you for making me feel a little bit older each and every day. All right, let's get into what's trending, shall we? What's trending today? All right, big headlines of the day, obviously. A lot of focus on what's going on in the Middle East, Israel, Hamas. The ceasefire continues as Hamas says that they are continuously releasing more of the hostages. They're trying to do this weird. If you see these pictures, they're kind of strange. Hamas is doing these weird like propaganda pictures where they're releasing the hostages, but they're releasing them like smiling with them, like doing selfies and like holding up puppy dogs and babies and children and stuff, trying to act like they're the cool ones. They're like, well, I guess you can go. I don't know why you want to leave the party with with Hamas right now, but you can go, I guess. And trying to release these on social media as if they're the good guys, because, again, they're trying to do this demonization of Israel about how they're the evil ones going through the Gaza Strip and just destroying everybody's lives and how bad that Israel is. So they're trying to do this weird propaganda hit. Very strange. But Hamas is extending it. Apparently they're extending it for another two days as they're releasing up to another 100 hostages. I don't know the motive behind that other than I think they're getting decimated and Israel is winning and they want this to end because they don't want to be eliminated when Israel openly said they're going to continue on with the excursion once uh, the ceasefire is over. I get skeptical of that because I don't want them to kind of like re, you know, restructure themselves and kind of prepare themselves, which you know what's going to happen. But we'll see. Uh, obviously, they're still very primitive when Israel can just walk all over them and doing what they're doing. Here's the kicker, though. They're creating this propaganda bit because they want to survive. Obviously, they don't want to be eliminated. And they realize that they've kind of poked the sleeping giant and the sleeping giant's not having any more of it. And now Israel is not OK with a two uh, a two-nation system. They don't want it. A two-nation option. And they recognize that now, and they're like, uh, maybe we shouldn't have done this. A little bit. But they're using the PR. Remember, I've told you so many times, it doesn't just relate to American politics here. There are two things that make you successful in politics, and that is a lot of money and a good PR team. And right now, Hamas is getting lots of money, apparently from Iran, who we're funding on the back end right now, default. So we're paying that through you know, Iran through the middleman here, and they have a good PR team by smothering social media sites about how great they are, how bad Israel is, and how cool they are with the hostages that they probably just raped and beat and, and you know, were abusive too, and now they're releasing thinking that everything's all hunky-dory. And the reason they're doing that is because we're getting pressure here on the home front in the United States from none other than the progressive left-wing radicals during an election season to where Joe Biden is having a hard time 
saying that he continues to stand fully with Israel and he's advocating, or not anymore, was advocating for the decimation of Hamas and getting rid of this terrorist organization. Now, the reason I say that, headline from BreitbartNews.com, is that now Biden's being pressured on Israeli tactics and will leave Hamas intact and empower in the area. This is the pressure that he's under now to try and push the Israeli government to do and say, we're not going to support you as much unless you continue to support the two-state system and that you allow Hamas to remain in power in the Gaza Strip and to control over the Palestinian people. Now, again, this is a terrorist organization that has called for the destruction of the United States, the destruction of Israel, the killing of all Jews, and the killing of all Americans because they don't fit in or we don't fit into their value system. And I'm not talking about all Muslims, which apparently now that's the thing, is that all Muslims are offended by wanting to remove Hamas because by calling out one singular terrorist organization, we're now somehow calling out the entire group. Welcome to the collective thought of the progressives because they can't think individually. It's all going to be the collective. If you mention one single thing about a someone who happens to be a certain group, then now you're attacking the entire group. That's the way they look at things. It's very stupid and it's very ridiculous. But... Why do you think Joe Biden's caving on this issue now? Starting to backtrack just a little bit. We support Israel, but we want Israel to just backtrack a little bit and not completely eliminate Hamas. We just want to make sure that Hamas is in a state to where they can't attack Israel any longer, which is hilarious because that's not going to happen. You could attack them with just a simple gun and sit at the wall and fire against them. So I'm not quite sure what they're asking for here. According to the White House, uh, White House advisor John Kirby, Making a statement yesterday saying, quote, the Israelis have been pretty, excuse me, pretty clear that once the pauses are complete and the hostage exchanges are over, that they intend to continue their military operations against Hamas. Uh, Talking about some of the hostages there. The United States has warned Israel that it might fight more surgically and avoid further mass displacement of Palestinians in its war against Hamas to avoid a humanitarian crisis over the overwhelms uh, that overwhelms the world's ability to respond, according to the senior Biden administration officials we know that you're trying to eliminate these people but it's your fault that there's such destruction in the gaza strip it kind of reminds me of if you remember when you were a kid or if you have kids right now and the siblings continue to fight and i get it because i was the oldest so i always got this but the one sibling that always gets blamed for everything i'm sure you were one of those growing up or you knew the sibling that got blamed for everything that no matter what happened between all the siblings bickering and fighting that the one was the one that always got blamed for everything. I'm substantially older than my brother and sister. My brother's seven years younger. My sister's eight or nine years younger. So there's kind of an age gap between us uh, for my family. And my sister, who was the youngest, uh, not to pick on her because I love her, but uh, at the same time, I'm going to pick on her for just a moment. When we were younger, she got away with everything. My parents didn't care. She could do whatever she wanted to do. And when she got upset and complained about something, she would blame me. And just just instinct, my parents would be like, Andy, stop picking on your sister. I'm not. I don't really care. But that was the way things were. We always got blamed, no matter what. This is what Israel's going through right now, although obviously in a more intense situation. But no matter what, Israel gets blamed for everything. The Gaza Strip, let's remind individuals, the Gaza Strip, again, was controlled by Hamas and the Palestinians, which means all the horrible living conditions, the poverty-stricken, ruined area of women and children living in vast majorities there over men in poverty and in horrible living standards and living conditions, all controlled by Hamas and the Palestinians. 
That was not Israeli territory. They gave that up during the negotiations when they drew the lines of where Israel and the nation would actually be. That was controlled by them. During this conflict, all the ones on the other side of the aisle, look at that. The Israelis have never taken care of these people. How dare you? Wasn't their duty to do so. Then we have the conflict where, again, a terrorist organization is putting innocent people in front of them as their shields. Hey, women, no, you're not allowed to leave the Gaza Strip. We're going to blockade the roads. You're going to be in your apartments. We're going to live in your apartments with you, and we're going to shoot from your windows so that way the Israelis can't bomb the place because then they're killing you and your family too, but we're going to be here so that way we can get away with it. That's Hamas, and the Israelis get blamed for the destruction against the innocent lives there in the Gaza Strip. It's no matter what, they can never do anything right. I, I still have asked this question. I don't understand the fascination with hating on Jewish communities. I, <laughs> I, don't get, I don't get this obsession with the hatred against Jewish people or the Israeli state. But, wow, can we at least pick up some type of history book and understand the base? I'm no expert by any means, but I at least understand some of the basics of what's going on here. But this new political ploy is to get the U.S. government, based on the nice PR stunt that Hamas is doing on social media, trying to act cool, trying to act like they're the hip ones, trying to act like they're actually trying to do the right thing, just trying to survive. That's pressuring the activists in the United States to pressure the U.S. government, to pressure the Israeli government to not eliminate Hamas and to back off on trying to kill off all these quote-unquote casualties and these innocent individuals in the Palestinian state of the Gaza Strip. And the reason the Biden administration is actually abiding and starting to go down this road and work this way is because he's losing two of their major demographics in the election, which is the Muslim population and the young generation that's gullible enough to fall for it. And if they pull out and just don't vote, the election's over for Democrats in 2024. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. By the way, with the ongoing conflict, that also means the humanitarian side of this with the fleeing, those that are able to get out and actually go somewhere else. We have a refugee problem now, and it's kind of funny, kind of sad all at the same time, but even some of our allies, but countries like Egypt, they don't want anything to do with accepting some of these refugees. And now we have to remember, asylum seekers and refugees... You'd, by by global definition, by the United Nations, global definition, it's when you go to a nation next to you because you're fleeing so badly that you have to get out of the country that you're in because you're being persecuted, that your life's not safe, that you have to leave, and you go to the nation next, not halfway around the world to the United States, but to the nation next to you in order to flee from that and be in a safe harbor. Egypt's not accepting any because they don't want the madness. They want nothing to do with it. They're like Sweden at this time. They just want to they want to wipe their hands off and just be walk away into the sunset and not have to worry about this garbage. So they're going other places. And right now we're seeing major migration going up north into Europe. And some of them, because of how progressive some of these nations are, they're very accepting. Others are not. There was a story, I don't know if you've seen the headline out of Ireland, where a nine-year-old girl, I believe, and her family were murdered because of migrants that came in and some of the crime going on there. And I got to give a shout-out. My man, Conor McGregor, uh, with the UFC, if you know MMA fighting, uh, he's been all over this saying that we need to do something about this. No longer should a nine-year-old or should a family be in fear of their lives because of people coming into the country illegally. I know. Welcome to American politics, my friend. (laughs) 
Not only do you have to deal with it because you're connected to it and they're moving up, migrating your way, and your governments are accepting it, we're flying them in here in the United States. We literally have elected officials that are like, we should bring Palestinian refugees to the United States, which is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard because if you have the ability to ship people out of there, then why aren't we getting U.S. citizens out of Israel with the ongoing attacks? Why aren't we helping the Israelis do something? And yes, the Palestinian people that are in the Gaza Strip are victims, unfortunately, and it's terrible and horrible and it's very sad. Even the military in the United Nations is like, yeah, we're having a hard time with some of the humanitarian relief. Why? Because of people like Gaza, or people like uh, Hamas. Hamas. Those Hamas terrorists that won't allow the humanitarian relief to get to them. So, that being said, they're now seeing this problem up in the UK and in Ireland. There was a tweet that just came out, by the way, from Conor McGregor that said, uh, because he's being under attack for being called, obviously, a racist now, that uh, we need to say, hey, maybe nine-year-olds in their hometown shouldn't die from people that shouldn't necessarily be there. And he's being called a racist and a bigot, yada, yada. He's being very well-conditioned in U.S. politics, man, so welcome into it. Uh, his latest tweet, I do not connect crime with migration. I connect crime with your government's many failed policies in protecting and securing the inhabitants of Ireland. There's a real lapse in national security. We need a brand new task force founded to assess all entrance into Ireland. Our natives and our visitors will all benefit with this peace of mind. We need deportation of all those here illegally or that have committed a crime here. There needs to be a brand new unit founded specifically for this task. Call it Ireland Protect. Hmm. Sounds nice. I think he needs to be some of the PR here in the United States because it seems like we're all facing the same disaster right now, and we have one side that has caused all, all of the issues, all of the problems here, the left-wing progressive side of the aisle that has this weird warped sense of reality that thinks that Israel is the bad guy, that the United States is the bad guy, that we need to bring people halfway around the world to save them from an issue that they've supported and allowed to happen as long as it's gone on. I told you, if we would have went in and in a week, boom, we wiped out Hamas, we were done, over, eliminated, we get back to normal. It needed to be swift, it needed to be fast, it needed to be hard, and the terrorists would be gone and allow Israel to do what they need to do. But the longer this drags on, the dirtier it's going to be, the uglier it's going to be, the more casualties that there's going to be, and we're already starting to see that, where now we're calling on Israel, after all this work to eliminate their enemy that has called for the death and destruction of them, we're now calling on them to back off, allow them to remain because of one issue or another, and it's all from a loud minority group that has been vocal in dominating the politics on the Democrat side. And it's happening not just in the U.S., but apparently in the UK as well. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Your Patriot on the Prairie as we try to bring some truth, reason, common sense back into the conversation. I know it's a vast minority in society today, but we're going to do our darndest to bring it back and make people think in a cognitive manner, rationally about things on a regular basis again. Welcome back into it on a post-Monday celebration. I want to shift gears a little bit. We'll get back. Well, kind of. We've been talking a lot about this issue with Israel and Hamas and the conflict and the political pressure coming from the Democrats trying to back off on the elimination of Hamas because, well, we kind of need 
Hamas in there. Why do we need Hamas in there? Well, because the decent portion of the voter base for the Democrat Party, a.k.a. the young generation that wants this, they're the ones threatening to not vote in the election, just not show up to vote unless the Biden administration changes its tone on their support for Israel just a little bit. Just a little bit, because apparently if you call out one group like a terrorist organization, then you're calling out every Muslim out there, which is not the case, but that's the collective uh, identity politics that the progressives love to do, and uh, that's the situation that we're in today. But to talk about some of this in a, in a little bit different fashion, I can't wait to have this guy back on the program. I love I love our chats. What's trending today? I love our chats as we break down. Is this uh, just randomness that's happened in society? Is this divine intervention? And what things have led to the state that we're in today? Happy to have back on the program. He's author of the book, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. Excited to have back on Jared Knott. Jared, how are you, my friend? Just fine, just fine. Thank you for having me. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you. Yeah, it's so good to have you back on. It's been a little bit. Uh, I love it because when the last couple times that we've talked, we've talked about some of the stuff in your book and, and these different events in history, these tiny little things to where they literally change the course of a war, a conflict, an event that yeah. happened in history that were grand scale things and just tiny little things. And whether they were just coincidence, whether they were divine intervention. And it seems like we're watching a lot of this stuff play out right in front of our eyes today, too, aren't we? Yes, there's uh, been a number of uh, mistakes uh, situation in Israel. Uh, is, uh, you could argue as a result of um, uh, the uh, Israeli intelligence service uh, lowering their guard. There's kind of a scandal going in Israel because they were not apparently listening to the radio traffic of Hamas in the weeks leading up uh, to the attack, and that they were also not monitoring the whole situation closely enough. They supposedly were warned by Egypt. The president of Egypt supposedly gave them a warning that something big was getting ready to happen in about three days, mm-hmm. and allegedly they said they never got such a warning, but they may very well have, but they seem to have ignored uh, the warnings that were coming, they were uh, they lowered their guard. Maybe they were too uh, cocky. Maybe they were too self-confident. Also, Hamas had gone through a real uh, quiet period for the two or three years prior to that, trying to lull them, I guess, into complacency. And then here it came, boom, and this horrible, horrible uh, attack on them that they weren't ready for. Yeah. It's weird watching some of the, I mean, 2020 uh, hindsight is always, you know, perfect vision to see what led up to this stuff. But watching this, as we look at the little steps, like you talk about in your book and some of these historical events, the little things that just added up between the negligence of Israel, whether it was because they got cocky, they just didn't pay attention to it. They let their guard down for an instant. Uh, But then you look on the Hamas side and the leaving of military weapons in Afghanistan that we're now seeing on the battlefield that Hamas is using right now that somehow got into the hands of the Palestinians. The money that we've been funding with little projects here and there in Iran that we're seeing being funded and funneled into Hamas as well, a lot of it under the same administration really right now with Joe Biden, uh, which is coincidental as well. But it seems like it's been these little bitty things throughout the last few years, let's say five to ten years really, that have led up to this moment where we're seeing the situation unfold. Well, I have to give uh, Donald Trump and his administration were not uh, perfect. Yeah, he uh, you could find fault with him in certain ways. However, uh, his uh, really the record that he had there as president was uh, very successful. Uh, the uh, of course the Russians did not engage in any adventurism while he was president. He just allegedly told uh, Putin that if he invaded Ukraine, that uh, he would uh, that Putin that uh, Trump would bomb Moscow. Uh, and also they saw him as a strong, aggressive president. 
uh, and also uh, with the, dealing with Iran, he had uh, put in, imposed sanctions against their petroleum industry, and they were not allowed to sell it. There was big sanctions against their petroleum product, and they lost 90% of the revenue, and they had uh, over $100 billion worth of uh, reserves, and it went all the way down to just $4 billion. It's causing a lot of unrest in their country uh, because of the economic hardships, and the Ayatollahs had their hands full just trying to keep their own population under control, let alone to have billions of dollars to invest in terrorism. Uh, the Biden administration came along and lifted those sanctions. Uh, the amount of cash flow coming into Iran skyrocketed at uh, $80, $90 billion added to the reserves. And they had, uh, in fact, they netted out to having over $100 billion of reserves, where they're known for their uh, uh, supporting and sponsoring of terrorism. So what do they do with the $100 billion? Well, they start uh, paying for more terrorism. They also have the North Koreans adding some of their technology. And I don't think it's any accident that this war took place when the uh, Iranians, uh, the, the leaders of uh, foreign terrorism, are uh, flush with cash. So I think that's uh, you can put that at the doorstep of Joe Biden uh, not uh, being too friendly to our enemies. Yeah, yeah, it's a wild concept to, to ponder here. Let's speculate for just a moment and look at some of these. If history were just a little bit different, if we lived in a, a different timeline and things were just slightly different, and we had a second term of Donald Trump ongoing right now as opposed to the Biden administration. Do you think this type of conflict would have happened or at least happened the way that it's happening right now because of not just money, but other just policy decisions uh, on foreign policies, uh, specifically between the two administrations, on how we would have responded to some of this stuff? Yes. Well, the, going back to the Biden, uh, not the Biden administration, but the uh, Barack Obama administration, they were trying to be very friendly with the Russians and friendly with the Iranians. If we're nice to these people, they'll be nice back. Well, no, that is stupid. Okay, excuse me. Okay, they see a kindness. They see generosity as weakness. And what they do is take advantage of it. Uh, Putin, of course, invaded the Ukraine uh, during the uh, Obama administration, also moved into uh, Georgia. Uh, Obama was very, very weak. They gave up the missiles there in Poland in exchange for nothing. And in terms of this softness, this weakness, uh, that's just a green light for aggression and that with the Iranians. Okay, yes, we're going to, there was a real uh, kind of a game, tens of billions of dollars to them. I flew a plane in and was loaded up with millions and millions of dollars and the other things that were friendly and kind. If we're nice to these people, they'll be nice back. Let's just be reasonable. Well, that is, of course, not wise. They only understand one thing. They understand force. They understand strength. Whenever you show the weakness, they will take advantage of it. And uh, Joe Biden in Afghanistan showed incompetence and bumbling uh, weakness. Uh, and that the uh, our enemies saw that as, as an opportunity, and we have uh, major enemies with China, of course, threatening Taiwan, and of course uh, Russia invading Ukraine, and we have the course, the Iranians sponsoring terrorism, and uh, here comes the October the seventh attack, all as a result of a weak presidency, uh, and now of course they're, atta- they're attacked us seventy some odd times. We give them just a token kind of, uh, of uh, retaliation. Well, they can just keep on going all day. They'll go all month. They'll go on indefinitely with that kind. Of, they were happy to bomb us and just get a tap on the wrist back. That'll just encourage more and more aggression. Yeah. History teaches very few clear lessons. and uh, But one of the main lessons that it teaches is that weakness invites war. Strength repels war. No one starts a war expecting to lose it or hoping to lose it. They start a war when they think they can win it, and if they can win it against a weak, weak government like we have with Joe Biden, then we'll be attacked over and over 
again. Well, they saw the opportunity, and we've seen the opportunity for the past three years because of our foreign policy that we have and the weakness that we've shown uh, with a leader like Joe Biden. Now, Donald Trump says that if he gets back into the office, he could end the conflict in Russia and the Ukraine within a day. Do you think that's possible, or do you think it's too far gone now? Well, I think what he's talking about, and the Ukrainians may not like this, he's talking about basically giving up about 17 or 18 percent of the country to Russia. It's, uh, the way the war is going there now is something of a stalemate. I don't think it's going to be possible uh, from a practical standpoint of dislodging the Russians from eastern Ukraine. So I think what we're going to see in the end is that uh, Russia will get away. They've already infiltrated that part of Ukraine with many of their own uh, Russian people, uh, kind of a forced immigration thing. So his solution is going to be that for the Ukrainians to accept the fact that they lost 17 percent of the country. Uh, Putin gets his uh, uh, one-fourth of the pie, one-fifth of the pie, uh, and uh, he's going to go that direction. So something like that, by the way, is going to be where we end up one way or the other, because I think the war is bogged down where there's not going to be any, any progress. I think we're going to have to accept a truce along those lines. Wow, that would be an interesting uh, compromise. And I wonder, like you said, if Ukraine would actually go for something like that or if that would be a hard pill for them to swallow because they're adamant on keeping their borders, which I understand, yes. and, and, and I mean rightfully so for a nation trying to keep their sovereignty. Uh, now, those regions, though, are those the ones that had already tried to self-identify, quote-unquote, as Russian because they didn't want to be part of Ukraine either? Well, again, the Russians infiltrated many of their citizens, many Russians, into those areas. So they've been compromised with a lot of Russian citizens there. So it makes it kind of a murky situation. It's not fair. It's not appropriate. It shouldn't happen that way. But just telling all those Russians they have to go back to Russia is going to be difficult. Also, uh, the Russians have dug in with, with thousands and thousands of mines. Uh, and it's very, very difficult to penetrate that. It's going to be very difficult to dislodge them from where they are and dislodge them from uh, from Crimea. So I think whether we like it or not, circumstances are going to force that kind of uh, truce, compromise on us, and the Russians are going to get away. Putin will be able to save face to some extent and claim that he got part of Ukraine, even though overall he was defeated in his attempts. Yeah. I think that's the, that, that, that's the solution that's going to be forced on us. I don't know if there's going to be an alternative, uh, viable alternative. That would be interesting. Or we can just let the conflict keep going and we can keep funneling money to them because that's apparently what we like to do in this nation as well. Yeah. Got to yeah. and it's, cost it's yeah. costing us billions and billions of dollars. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, a lot of money. you got to take a break here. Jared Knott, he is author of the book Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters. You can find it online at tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. Hang on the line. I want to continue this when we come back and shift it back to Israel and Hamas for a minute and look at some of these policies on what we get to look forward to in the future with this, this conflict. Lots more coming up. Stay Voice here. of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Congress manages 12 different spending bills that make up to 27% of the federal budget. What about the rest of it? Family and small business budgets include all money in and out. It makes sense. How can Congress manage the budget if it's not all in one place? No wonder we face runaway spending poor accountability and rising debt. That's how we end up with 160 federal housing programs and 162 federal health care programs, many of which are never up for review. It's time Congress budgets more like a family or a small business, with everything in one place. Managing a real budget creates value for the people. It's what Congress is elected for. Here's what Congress needs. One comprehensive budget that includes it all 
better results, stronger oversight, and a more sustainable financial future for our country. To learn more, go to prosperityispossible.com. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last couple of minutes on the program. Oh, how it flies by way too fast. It's always wonderful to have you with us here on the show like you do every single day. Interesting conversations. Looking at the speculation, looking at the breadcrumbs that have been dropped and left all around the globe to cause the events. Lining things up to allow them to happen the way that we're seeing them unfold in front of our eyes. And where do we go from here? is a big question on what do we do to try and solve some of that. We're hanging out with Jared Nutt. He's author of the book Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, which you can find online at tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. Check out the book also on Amazon as well as it's rocking and some more great information coming soon about that. Jared, let's do some speculation. And I, obviously, you study a lot in history. You look at the fine details of history. I have to ask you, have you ever seen another time in history when we look at the culture like here in the United States, where we have a sect of the country that is openly and actively supporting the terrorist organization and supporting for their victory over an ally of the United States that is Israel, calling for, from the river to the sea, the destruction of Israel and the Jewish communities, and supporting an organization that has called for the death of the United States. Have we ever had a nation that has supported our enemies like that before to this length? Yeah, and uh, I'm very surprised myself. Uh, the anti-Semitism out there, uh, on a personal level, I say a personal level, on a local level, uh, regional and international level, it took me it took me by surprise. Uh, the uh, up in, uh, in Harvard, uh, also in uh, NYU, and uh, also Cornell, there's uh, such a strong anti-Israeli, anti-Semitic uh, uh, movement there. And uh, Jewish students are uh, fearful, being uh, insulted, being uh, attacked uh, uh, on campus. I'm, I'm very surprised by it. I'm, I'm, uh, they say that there's a lot of money being invested in propaganda. Man, there was a man, gentleman, who was a multi-multi-millionaire who's investing a lot of uh, money in that and others. So it may be that propaganda is part of it, but it doesn't explain it completely yeah. why people are so resentful of Jewish people. Uh, uh, all across the globe, but it, anyway, that is a, a major surprise. I don't ever remember seeing that uh, before. There's, of course, there, we have a, a nation made up of, of Germans and uh, Japanese and uh, uh, people from uh, all over the world, many different ethnic groups. Uh, but this one is a unique. Uh, the anti-Semitism is, is very unique and, and very ugly. Well, it's very strange, and like Abraham Lincoln said back in the day, was that the only way the United States would fall is if we tear ourselves apart from within. Osama bin Laden said the exact same thing, that uh, that's the only way that America will fall. Uh, And right now we're almost kind of seeing that when we advocate for our own destruction based on our enemies and wanting them to win. And like you said, I don't get the absolute fascination and obsession all throughout history with hating on the Jewish community. I don't understand that, but uh, that's what we're seeing right now. Which is uh, very strange. We got just about a minute or so left here, uh, Jared, as we kind of wrap up. But uh, between the two policies, the Trump administration, the Biden administration, and the handling of this Israeli thing, let's say in 2024, God forbid, if this conflict's still ongoing, Trump, uh, if Trump loses, uh, Joe Biden gets back into office, are we seeing a potential escalation on a global scale with uh, more countries getting involved in this madness? Well, the thing that's the most scary uh, to me is that the. If Iran gets the nuclear weapon, 
a, an atomic bomb, and also, if, God forbid, that uh, terrorists ever get access to a nuclear weapon, then we would have a nightmare that we beyond uh, beyond anything we've seen before. So hopefully, we're going to keep the situation stabilized. But I don't think the Biden administration is taking the right approach. They're taking a very, once again, weak approach. We're not retaliating against our enemies, which just encourages them to attack us more. We've attacked over 70 times. A number of the servicemen have been seriously injured. Uh, I think our, our soft, weak, let's be nice to them approach is just uh, not going to work. Uh, again, that's one of the clear messages that history teaches. Uh, that those people understand one thing. They understand force. They understand strength. Weakness, they just they exploit. And you can go, I'll plug, if you might plug here, yeah. tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. Uh, we have a great website. It uh, has a, a, a book trailer. has two and a half free chapters. We're running a special this week. TinyBlundersBigDisasters.com. I love it. TinyBlundersBigDisasters.com. Know your history. Like you said, peace through strength, and it's been proven time and time again throughout history. If you actually read history and understand it, that that's the way that the, the enemies and the bullies in the world get that message. And we have to remember that because we've seemed to have forgotten. But every generation apparently has to have that recycling of remembrance in a very horrible and catastrophic way. And hopefully that's not coming anytime soon. Jared, it's always great to talk to you, my friend. I love everything you're doing. Keep it up. we got to get you back on again real soon, my friend. I appreciate it very much. I enjoyed it. Hey, Thank likewise. So As always, we'll do it again soon. That's again, Jared Not TinyBlendersBigDisasters.com. And that's also the book. Go and check it out on Amazon and the website. Great information indeed. That does it for us today. Back at it again tomorrow, middle of the week. we got so much more to cover, man. Thanksgiving break stalled a lot. There's a lot to cover and get you back on par. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.